Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name's Jake. With me are Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and producer Terry. This week, we're here to talk about Face the Raven, written by Sarah Dollar, directed by Justin Malatnikov, aired November 21st, 2015. Jill. Yes? Uh, what'd you think of this one? Uh, do I use bittersweet too much? Because that's how I feel. It was really, I thought it was really well written and really well directed and acted, but I have mixed feelings about the story because Clara can't really be dead. And that's really the only bad part about it. Cody? Well, since I know Clara has plot armor and is definitely not dead, it was an absolutely amazing episode. Sam? I messaged Cody and I was like, this episode makes up for last week. We're good. Good episode. <laughs> you get to continue, Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, Terry? I love, hate this episode. Boom. Alex, I saved you for last because you've seen it before. What'd you think? Uh, I still really like it. The The last time I actually watched this episode, I stopped watching Doctor Who for a while. <laughs> like, I never actually finished <laughs> the season. <laughs> <laughs> until like later like way later when he said that i'm like i totally see that i either need to watch the next one right now or never again so i'm struggling a little bit because i know i can't do that jake what do you think of this episode oh thanks for asking um yeah i love this episode i watch it all the time i want sarah dollard to be the next showrunner and i've been saying yep. it for years was she the oh, writer she's the writer the problem is to be the showrunner the bbc Maybe they've changed the rules now, but their rules have been they want someone who's written successfully on the show, but has also successfully run their own show before. So like Chris Jimnall's the showrunner right now. He was the showrunner of Broadchurch, which is a huge success. So like, obviously, they're going to let him do it. Sarah Dollard hasn't run a show, but she's been like kind of a number two on a show with another Doctor Who writer um, called Toby Whithouse. So I kind of say like bring them on as a team. Let them let them both be the showrunner. It's clearly a really hard job. Maybe have two people do it. Ooh, I would tandem. be all aboard for Sarah to just take over right now. Tandem yeah. showrunners that would be kind of interesting. That would be kind of like a who who writes the Stranger Things, right? The brothers. Yeah, lots yeah. of great stuff are made by multiple people. The uh, Cohen brothers, the Wachowski siblings. Other people who are related. <laughs> <laughs> you just like run dual simultaneous arcs. Yeah. Well, you know, in classic who there was always a producer and a script editor. So like they're both in charge of the show, but one person like really focused on actually making it and the other person hired and worked with the writers, but then they like came together and made sure that they were both okay with everything that was going on. And I think that's a great idea for running a show. I do have to say, though, I can't imagine this level of intensity for every story. I think that would 
get to be a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's she's got another one coming in the next season that's definitely um, less uh, murdery of the main cast. But she did literally kill it for her first story <laughs> out, for sure. All right, stuff, go. I just want to think... jump right to the end, but I'll let other people talk first. Just to just to give you a jumping point, I will say the first eleven minutes, like up until they find the trap street, is super well paced. So that's that's a lot of Justin Milotnikov, the director, and it's like a it's really engaging and like there's a lot of stuff going on, but they're kind of dumping all this info on you in a fun way, and then the last half of the episode is it like really slows down, but for an obvious reason. I did ask Alex like early on because Clara's just. I mean, obviously, she's the focal point of this episode, but I'm like, is she just an adrenaline junkie? What is going on? And that's totally what it was meant to be, like, in the end when she says, like, I should have seen it coming, whatever. So that was amazing. Like, that myself, who doesn't watch a lot of TV and pick up a lot of the little things, that they did it so well that, like, even I can pick up that she really was, like, putting everything into every adventure too much so. So I agree that pacing was amazing and they brought just a ton of little things out early on. And they gave you peeks into that right away. Like when they were flying the TARDIS around London or wherever that was. The opening credits. I don't remember exactly the place they were, but the doctor said, and we can never come back because of you, whatever she's doing. She's going balls to the wall. Yeah. I mean, she's Icarus flying a little bit too close <laughs> to the sun here and that's then now we got the raven but in contrary i think i've said this before seeing a anti-hero doctor would be the greatest season of my life like the war doctor gave us like a little scratch but didn't really didn't really hit the mark it was a little bit it was like one episode yeah. or two. when we finally well just one but yeah when we finally saw him he was actually like just a sweetheart yeah the hugest draw for this is like, oh my god, okay, what's the doctor gonna do now? They're gonna teleport him away, and he's gonna go through like galaxies, just reaping swaths of races to get back to Clara, which is probably a little bit more intense than the Doctor Who universe really allows. But it's a really cool thought. I really like the way Capaldi um, portrayed his feel, like his inner feeling, uh, through that, like just his the way his eyes and his face were. And the delivery on, um, I think it was, he was talking to Ashilda and uh, said, she said that stuff, not for me, but for you or verbatim. And uh, man, just that was really good. I enjoyed that a lot. It was chills. Yeah. 100% for sure. I actually really don't like that line because she very obviously was saying it for the doctor's benefit. (laughs) Uh, True. But. I'm really on board with like the doctor's physical acting. It was outstanding. And some of the scenes, some of the camera work they did in this episode was kind of cringy. I don't like what they did with Clara dying. It was like a really touching scene, but they did some weird, like (laughs) Bollywood jump cuts of different angles of the same scene from different distances. And I was like, no, you're ruining it. I thought it was like really uncomfortable and her whole positioning was really uncomfortable. But I think it was on purpose. Like it, I don't know. It felt raveny and like creepy, gross. Like just not right. Like it's not a beautiful death. It's choppy and weird. Well, and you know, if you're watching this with your kids who are 
invested in this character and the last thing she does before she dies is scream in pain <laughs> that's fucking horrible yeah a little bit yeah yeah but i like the decision to go with the silent scream that was super like to me that that made it even worse because it, i don't know like you can just imagine it's like one of those noisy pictures you see and like you can't hear it but you're like oh man that that sounds painful yeah. It's better to imagine than actually hear. Yeah, Agreed. probably. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, the like seven different angles and clearly not not all shot at once. Like they were different shots. They didn't just have seven different cameras. Cody's right. It's kind of, you know, lame. It's it's just kind of, it. I felt like it took me out because they dry you into that scene so much. It's such like an eye opening. Okay, shit, Clara's really going to die. Here we go. And then it's just like, ha-cha, hi-ya. Like hit you in the face with nunchuck scenes, and then the uh, the the smoke coming out at the end, like just that effect, was just really creepy and cool. Yeah, they were balls to the wall on the special effects on this one, and it just it pays dividends so much. Mm-hmm. Can you name this episode "Balls to the Wall," please? Because <laughs> that's Done. twice now. Let's see how many times we can do it. Face the Raven two colon balls to the wall. Yes. <laughs> And it's the doctor just nailing Ishvald, Ish, Ish, I almost called her Ishvalda. Me's balls to the wall. Her attitude kind of did a one, like just a 180 that I didn't quite expect. She's always like this stern, in control, there is no second chances into oh god i'm sorry it was all my fault and just kind of like backing down and puppy with a tail between the legs not that it didn't make sense it's just it's peaks and valleys man when she met up with clara she's like i remember you and talked about how much she liked her so i think that was the emotional connection at the beginning too she didn't kind of show that at the end yeah she remembers reading about her but she doesn't remember her to an extent yes but remember reading. That's yeah. my point. She she read and remembered her reading, I guess, and how much she liked her. Was she going Which... to save uh white rig rigs Rigsy? Rigsy. Yeah. Was she going to save him? Yeah. It was all just a ruse to get the doctor there. But why couldn't she save Clara then? Because when Clara took it off of Rigsy, she broke the contract between uh, Ashilda and the that's right black Shame. smoke the shade. and so it it changed the contract and removed Maisie Williams from the equation so she no longer had any say in what happened that's right i couldn't remember that part but if the doctor didn't show up Riggsy was dead <laughs> right well if he didn't come back <laughs> like if, if he just went home and watched it count down for right. yeah. eight and a half hours <laughs> yeah so this whole episode in the beginning like you get reintroduced to Riggsy which is like hell yeah and then once you find that secret road you find uh, a shield again I'm like oh my god this is an all star cast this is going to be a wonderful episode and then just to ruin it all with killing Clara at the end, I just, I hated it. I hated it so much. Oh, no. That, I think, that's such a spicy cliffhanger for a two-parter. Like, do you guys really think Clara's dead? 
I could see it. I I, sh- I don't want her to be obviously, but yeah, if she is, I'm gonna be very upset. <laughs> I keep so but what a way to go. I and mean, that's that what was... I keep thinking. Like, if Clara's right. gonna die, that's how she's gonna die. And she even like at the end, like she wasn't hesitating or fighting it. She's like, yeah, I've done all this stuff, and there's a reason. Like, I saved this dude, whatever. But seeing the doctor watch her die, that was the hardest part, I think, of the episode for me. Because that's just not the doctor. Like, he doesn't just sit back. Like, he always tries to intervene and get involved and save people. And just seeing that there was nothing he could do except watch her, like, that's where I'm like, there has to be something else coming. He wouldn't just stand and watch Clara. I yeah. honestly was thinking he was going to like put Clara in that stasis chamber thing that the Janice woman was in and be like, oh, God, well, maybe this is like a, a scapegoat thing that like the Raven will get into her and he'll like trap her and she won't actually die. But then they wouldn't even try that. It's like, no, do something. <laughs> it's just it's not like his character to do nothing, especially when it's a companion. Yeah. So I'm in denial for that reason. I love that she took a dignified death, like they showed the first Raven death, how he ran, and they were like, no, just stay with her. And when it came to Clara, she's like, this is, I'm ready, this is what I'm going to do, I want to do it alone, I'm going to go stand out here and be brave, and I thought that was amazing. I thought her death was amazingly done. Yeah, that juxtaposition, in the, it's all the way through the entire episode, and that's what makes it so fucking brilliant in the writing. Between her hanging out of the TARDIS and being just a that you them showing you that she's constantly an adrenaline junkie and taking huge risks, as well as showing how the Raven kills and then getting to the position where now before we even see that she's dying, you know that as soon as she gets that count on her and everybody has their face all sullen and whatnot, and then you hear the cawing, like you know what's gonna happen. Everything in the episode, you know what's going to happen because they foreshadowed it perfectly. That cawing reminded me a lot of uh, Tenant's death with the three knocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like just that echoing of just like that impending doom coming was. Yeah. Really uh, four knocks. Sorry four. yeah, it, I was going to say it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the song for whom the bell tolls, like just the, the bell ringing, mm-hmm. like just that with the car. Oh man. So good. Although I think they did drag that on a little bit long. Yeah, they needed to fill. <laughs> they, yeah, I mean, they needed to fill the episode up a little bit. But you just, you got like six cause in there. And it's a raven that's flying. Like, come on, he's, he's here already. He's here. But that's a super minor, super minor complaint. Jake, what was the first episode where Clara was like supposed to die in? And I was like, we'll have to wait till her death and see if it was a better ending to her story. Cause that other story was going to be such a good ending. I can't remember what it is. When she like jumps in the doctor's timeline or. Well, it was when she, oh, when she yeah, was an old person was. and then they oh, all of a sudden yeah. just woke up. Oh, young. right. Oh, that's yeah. what it was. It was that one. Yeah. God, so that, that was, was two, though. that was the Christmas special last Christmas which could have been her final. And in that one, it would have just been, you know, the the doctor took her home and the next time he saw her, she was an old woman. Yep. I like this better. In, in this one, she gets murdered by <laughs> a, a mortal <laughs> girl. So that's the thing. She is, 
she can live forever, but she's not immortal. She can still die, right? Like if you cut her head off and yeah. bury it in the ground. Like she's still human. She's still malleable. Um, I I realized this when Jill and I were watching the second time while we were eating just before this. And I was thinking she promised that Clara wouldn't be harmed, right? And yeah. And then she's like, my word is absolute. But then when it comes to the, the crow, she's like, sorry, I can't do anything. But she could just take the contract and die herself. That's what I kept thinking she was going to do. Mm-hmm. And she definitely should have done that. I think you can only transfer that. it one time. No, it said you can keep going, but you can't cheat the death. Like the well, clock and, will just count down. And Clara would never have let her do that. Why? Because she's a good person. That's the whole fucking point. <laughs> Is she? It seems like she's anti-doctor. Like she's... Clara? No, no, no. A shield. No, that's what uh, you're saying. Said Clara wouldn't do it. She wouldn't let Here's the Maisie William take. But she also didn't even like offer. <laughs> like, what an asshole. Yeah. Well, she's also like has a job to do so that she can protect all these people she's protecting. She promised from And her promise <laughs> is absolute. But there's also like someone threatening all of her people. Which that whole concept of having that um Shoot, what's that road called? Diagon Alley? No. It's pretty much what? Just the street, doesn't it? It was definitely Diagon Alley. Come trap on. Street, trap Road through. or something like that. Yeah, they call it a trap street. Yeah. yeah, of just, and having all of those different races there are is pretty cool. Like, I like the shot of the Ood that was yeah. fixing the um, Cyberman. He was giving him a haircut, right? Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> was it for real? I mean, that's what it looked like, right? When they're human, and then when it, like, shaded over, he was, like, grinding his head. Oh, my God. That was way more hilarious than I gave it credit for. Maybe I just missed it, but that's what I think I saw, and I really liked it. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, and I just like that whole idea of, like, all of these different races were there, but they all had to follow the same rules. Like, that's how much power Ashilda had was just, like, this is what it is. If you screw up, you die. Yeah, and I like it comes back later where she's like, Do you think a Cyberman fears a merciful death? Like it has to be mm-hmm. a bad thing or else this doesn't work. Like these are insane creatures and aliens and God knows what from all over. That was brilliant, by the way. That line made so much sense. And it was perfect there because you all agree. You're like, why does it have to be so miserable? And then she just, yeah, uh, there's Cybermen here, obviously. And I like the uh, the worms in the lights that do the whole um, mental telepathy Lurk thing. worms. Yeah, like those are so cool. So did she just like pinch the doctor and that brings you out of the telepathy? I think it like distracts you and you're focusing more on something else. So then it takes you out of, yeah, the distraction. So yeah, I think like pain and distress and alarm will bring you We've... out of it. So the big question that I have with this whole cliffhanger is who on earth did um, Ashilda make this deal with and teleported the doctor to? Oh, we'll find out. It's probably that lion race. That bracelet looked really close to the, the amulet. Oh... <laughs> I'm Didn't we see you. the dark accord or like the black, the cop dudes, the Jadoon? Jadoon, yeah. The, is that the Jadoon? 
Yeah, they were hired by the Shadow Proclamation, but they are not themselves the Shadow Proclamation. Oh, they okay. Are That's what I was thinking. Police for hire. I was thinking the Shadow Proclamation was kind of involved here. Or do you think it's just like a Dalek thing trying to get back at him again? I don't think she would work with the Daleks. It is always a Dalek thing, though. This next one is a finale, right? Yeah. No? Okay. I was like, that's a little soon, I think. Haven't we done like the one before? This season has a one part finale. Oh, wow. It's a two part season with a one part finale. Crazy. (laughs) And I didn't lie, Sam. I don't consider this and the next one to be a two parter. It's just, uh, you know, the next episode continuing the story. It but says to be continued. There's a definition for that, Jake. Lots of things. <laughs> lots of shows. The next episode continues the story, and they're not two-parters. Yeah. And you said Doctor Who doesn't do that. You always yell at us because we want to continue the story. It doesn't do it very much. No, you're being hypocritical. <laughs> no, I'm just being correct. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you guys want do you guys want a fun little spoiler for the next episode? No. But yes. <laughs> spoiler. Cover your ears. Uh, I want to hear it. There is only one actor credited in that episode. Oh my god, is it Jenna Coleman? No. <laughs> Damn it. It's Peter Capaldi. <laughs> is this gonna be him like swirling into pr- depression on his own? For sure. Is it going to be like a Matt Smith thing now? Do we want to talk about the awesome beaches and stuff at the very end from all parties involved? Oh, God, so good. They're all super good. Mm -hmm. I just wrote Clara's speech to the doctor. Don't be a warrior, be a doctor. I like that. I like the one line out of it that I wrote for my list of favorite lines is, I guess we're both just going to have to be brave now. Yeah. Always, always for the feels. Yeah. Uh, Clara's like, oh, nobody has to suffer. And then he's like, well, what about me? And she's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little spoiler into my MVP, but Capaldi in this last like quarter to half of episode was just knocking it all out of the park. It was so yeah. good. And most of the time he's not even talking and he's still like, yeah, being he, amazing. He commands yes. it. Like, it's just him being so good. Like, I came into this episode exhausted, ready to take a nap, just impossible to stay awake. And then by the time we got to this part, I was just, like, leaning forward. (laughs) It's the first in this history of the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's it's true. (laughs) We did talk about Eccleston, how he could act a scene with no words, no big movements, and just his, like, his facial expressions. Like, Capaldi does... Uh, did this did this <laughs> to a T, so well. yeah. Well, there's there's one very specific scene if, with Eccleston in the second episode, The End of the World, where he's like just staring down the barrel of the camera while um, Tree Lady is talking to him. Yeah, and it's amazing, but he doesn't get a lot of that. And of course, he only did one season, and mm-hmm. so it's you know not. Uh, we all know he's a good actor. Uh, one last thing I do want to bring up. Uh, Jill kind of started talking about Clara being a, like an adrenaline junkie and, you know, the whole beginning of this foreshadowing. This is actually kind of the foreshadowing for this began 
last season in the episode Flatline, which is this is kind of a sequel to because, you know, Riggsy's also in that one. And he, Mm -hmm. I was talking, I don't know if it's in our tweets, but I was talking to people on Twitter today. And they're saying like, oh, it would have been so nice for Riggsy to like go with the doctor and be the next companion. But I, I countered that Riggsy is Clara's companion. So even though he doesn't get a lot to do in this story, she got to sacrifice herself saving her companion like the doctor has done so many times before. Yeah, I was I was watching um, Riggsy, the actor who plays Riggsy, and the whole like he didn't really say anything in like the last half of this episode, but he was very uh, prominent in the background and was acting it very well as well. Yeah, he's the in the DC TV universe now. He's cyborg, so he's got to be good. I've never seen a episode of that show but i hear it's good oh is that the live action teen titans yeah i that's like i watched on their app or something yeah yeah companions are dangerous clara (laughs) gets a companion kills her nine had rose rose killed him Mm -hmm. what what's the next one how did i don't remember how did 10 die wilf yeah, oh, no. that's a companion, basically. Sort of in our hearts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the doctor was Wilf's companion. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right, you guys want to do tweets? I'll do some tweets. Tweet, 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 tweet. David at Runcible underscore Moon. This is David, the host of Neither the Time Nor the Space podcast. Personal favorite. Uh, it could easily have been one of those nothing special until the last five minutes episodes, but it really isn't. A fantastically imaginative and atmospheric episode from start to finish. Yes. I think so, we all agree with that. I love the rating on their podcast. They rate episodes either good, bad, bad with good bits, good with bad bits, or emotionally unattached. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I just love that. <laughs> yeah. If you want to listen to a podcast that's like this, but better, go check that one out. <laughs> Only two people, so they're not all talking over each other all the time. <laughs> they hey, fuck try you, buddy. Put what, effort like, into it. <laughs> what are you talking about? Hey, who's that? <laughs> they don't just turn on the mic and start yelling at each other. <laughs> oh, uh, hold, hold on. Wait. Oh, you go. You go. You go. No. no. Wait. After you. No, that was my bad. <laughs> Ode Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, I will preface this by saying my view of the story is colored by having had it spoiled for me just before I watched it. What? No. There were oh, a lot knees. No. <laughs> there were a lot of internet spoilers uh leading up to the story. Somehow I avoided them. Did he the did he murder? Like I would have murdered. You can't you murder the raven. I can try. That makes me feel that Clara's death is real, real, because that's how things get spoiled. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't as shocking as it should have been, though should have guessed anyway, given the amount of foreshadowing in this series. Having said that, I still really like this one. I love it when who takes a real life concept and gives it a who spin. So really like the way the trap spe- trap streets are used in this, especially since it was Sarah Dollard learning about them apparently inspired the whole episode. Loved Riggsy's return in this, even if it felt a bit like he had less to do more that the story needed a pre-established character and he was the easiest to use. But love the Torchwood reference of retcon being used on him. Uh, And then we had a long conversation about whether or not you guys are going to watch Torchwood. 
It's uh, gonna happen. We're gonna do it at some point. So retcon is a drug used in like the first episode of Torchwood to erase somebody's memory, and then they say in this that that's what got used on Riggsy so that he lost like a whole day. So that's fun. Yeah, Oda that's a Oli. really cool name. Yeah. Odali goes on says Mi is cleverly used in this, and her character seems distant and distinct from before, showing how immortality has affected her, making her more ruthless. I've never been a massive fan of her character, but it's interesting to hear what you think. It's making me reevaluate something that I'm not sure is always discussed about Clara's. Oh, it's making me reevaluate. Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> something that I'm not sure is always discussed about Clara's death is how it illustrates quite how different the doctor is from everyone else. Clara behaved almost exactly as we've seen the doctor do plenty of times, but we always know slash assume he's already got a plan or will at least improvise one. He's really as reckless as she was, it shows at least to me that Clara behaved like him, but without his capacity for planning or mental speed, like in the premiere, the magician's apprentice and the witch is familiar, uh, shows the danger of acting like the doctor without actually being him. 12 speech at me after he realized what was happening is both heartbreaking and horrifying. We can see the pain he's suffering through his anger and his physical acting when he looks at Clara is devastating. But you also believe in that moment that he would have followed up on his threats if Clara hadn't stepped in. The fact her loss made him threaten refugees should say everything. As awful as it is, most of his angry speech would qualify as a favorite line, especially the doctor is no longer here. You're stuck with me. And Clara's retort of his reign of terror ending with the sight of the first crying child is outstanding. As for MVP, it has to go to either Capaldi or Jenna for me. Uh, Capaldi portrays the doctor's pain so well, and he would clinch it if it wasn't for what's coming so i'd have to say jenna for how much emotion is shown in her final scenes but in the smallest ways making it so much more impactful than if it was like overblown looking forward to what y'all think and how you're feeling about this one and so very excited for what you're about to see and then he says and jill i agree with you when you catch up you need to watch torchwood yes and there you have it yeah, so what do you guys think about me as a character and bringing her back for this story? I I hate her. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> do too. I, I don't mean I, because of what she did, but I mean the character as like a narrative device. I like Maisie Williams, so I just like that she's back. But yeah, I don't know. You could probably have put any character in that position and then it still would have worked true like yeah it's not like there's some things that the master does that only the mastery can do kind of long lines and me is just kind of your and she has a reason for it because i wrote down one of her lines once again talking about infinite lifespan finite memory it makes for an awkward social life but it really makes you think how hard it is for her to continue living and doing what she's doing yeah but she's she's trying to be a good person. I mean, look at she's helping the refugees and I suppose it does make sense though cuz whoever's blackmailing her would need her to know the doctor to get what they want, right? So, I guess she being an immortal is probably noticed as such and then if they know that she knows the doctor, then they go for it, you know? So, maybe it makes sense, I guess, in that way. Was she being blackmailed? I guess I missed that if she was. I'm sure. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about it in this very podcast that we're recording right now. Oh, is that how she got involved with the shade or was that something different? No, it's why she has that machine that can only be turned off with a TARDIS key. 
So the, oh, whole, okay. the whole point of everything she's doing and why she involved Riggsy was to get the doctor there and get that teleport bracelet on him. Okay, yep, I get that now. Okay, so then she just... How long do we think she's been involved with the Raven then, or the Shade? Yeah, I want that story. How did how did that happen? Right? Yeah, sure. where I'm, she has to I'm promise. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Uh, but to give her credit to her character, she did have a lot of remorse when her plan went a different way than what it was supposed to, which, yeah. you know, gives oh, her yeah. some credit. Yeah, it's all an act until it fucked up. Yeah, and her, yeah. her, her plan was like no one had to die except the old guy. And <laughs> that's unrelated. Yeah, but she's like, no one's committed a crime. And then there was a murder one day, and then someone stole medicine the other. <laughs> it's kind of rough out there. <laughs> Which, okay, does she not apply to her own rules in this? Because was she not the one who injured the Janice woman? No, she just put her in that stasis chamber. Like, she might not be injured at all. Oh, because I she thought she bashed her, her head. head. Yeah. Yeah, the memory, oh, his memory was that she was, like, he dropped his phone because she was laying on the ground with a bloody head. That was totally, totally <laughs> me. That yeah. could be moulage, just all fake so that he freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> if you can erase the... a day, you can insert some memories. <laughs> was the girl who played the daughter... Was she the girl from Black Panther or yes. in Black Panther? Yes. Holy crap. Oh. Letitia Wright. Nice. We'll get to that in fun facts. That was cool. I have a question. Everyone appears human except Janice. J- what? What's her name? Her and the daughter. Janice the race with like Janice race, yeah. or something. Yeah, but uh, all Letitia the other Wright's... races appear human. I don't know the timeline of when we see like her second face, if that's before or after the illusion's broken. Mm. But uh her character name is Anison. Oh, oops. Oh, that's Chris just Ethis. the race, right? Yeah, Janice is the race. Yeah. I I have a question on the last tweet still. They talked about uh the danger of acting like the doctor when you're not as smart as the doctor and how the doctor always like They never said not as smart. They said her- when, not, you're, when you're not the doctor, he's do- less breakable. Yeah, when you're not the doctor, it's dangerous being the doctor or acting like the doctor. I I noticed in the beginning that uh, when they found out that Riggsy had the shade and he knew and he was doing the cards, trying to like be nice, uh, he was fully ready to just say sorry, I can't help you. Like he didn't want to jump in and try and fix it immediately. It took some coaxing, and. I don't know. I I thought that was a little weird because, you know, we don't see the doctor give up often. And maybe the doctor's trying to change in seeing how Clara has kind of become. He's like, well, maybe I am too, too much. You know, I, I got to maybe reel it back and not try and fix everything. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. That's I don't true. know. I think we have seen instances, and I'm having trouble pulling one up in my mind right now, of different variations of the doctor kind of being like, oh man, we're fucked. And then someone kind of egging them on and being like, yeah, you're right. Okay, let's go. Did he know about the shade before this story? I was just wondering about that. I don't think he specifically knew, but he did a body scan of Riggsy. And so he knew what was going on 
internally, and he was like, "Oh, you're fucked." That was a pretty good scene too, where he goes and pulls out the cards. That was real good. Like he seemed to know that when it transferred to Clara, that that was a huge mistake. Yeah, Sam. I think that the doctor just kind of has like a general sense of how things work by a being wicked smart and b having a lot of experience. So he's just kind of like figured out the gist of it at this point. That's you not how you say wicked, wicked smart. smart. Yeah, you got yeah. Come you on, we it. need that. <laughs> Ooh, this Chris. is real random, but the box of stuff that Clara grabbed, or weird, loud stuff, I don't remember what it was. Annoying stuff. Yeah, annoying, annoying stuff. stuff. That could have been way worse. Like, all I saw was a trumpet and a, like, bicycle horn. <laughs> That's not that annoying. But maybe he doesn't like trumpets. Trumpets are annoying if you don't know how to play them. True. That's true. Trumpet players yeah, are usually annoying, too. You can't too. all play every instrument, Jill. I don't play a trumpet. <laughs> That's dangerous. Yeah, but you probably could in like a day. That's true. Chris at this emo trash says, first of all, Clara should realistically have fallen out of the TARDIS and be a blood splatter on the streets of London. <laughs> oh, shit. That's terrible. Oh, my God. Secondly, I do love this episode and everything it does, but for some reason it feels really forgettable, almost as if the entire story is just leading up to those final few minutes. Some people who don't like Clara say that she feels like a Dr. Light but here, that's the entire point. She became too much like him without knowing the rules of time and therefore couldn't save herself. I'm not the biggest fan of Ashilda, but this time it really works. As you can tell that there's something more going on in the background that we don't know about and that the doctor has missed. Like, who are they that she keeps mentioning? I like the idea of Trap Streets and it translates really well into the context of an alien refugee camp. And the journey to find it's really fun. And I can just imagine what the people on the street are thinking, seeing these three completely bonkers people carefully counting their steps. I wish they explained the rules of the quantum shade a little more, since it is a little confusing. A binding contract that someone must die unless the owner calls it off, but if someone else takes the sentence, the owner is no longer involved. Yeah, smells of timey-wimey bullshit to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's Love. my favorite line. Yeah, me too. Love the reference of Torchwood, or to Torchwood, with the use of retcon as well. Uh, Capaldi's ability to just immediately go into an emotional speech is one of the main reasons he's my favorite Doctor. And that really shines through the moment he realizes that Clara can't be saved. His threats to rain hell on Ashilda feel completely real, that he would really bring Unit or the Daleks to this one street just to save his friend. And the only person in the world that can stop him is the one who's about to die. In Clara's last moment, she's the one who has to cover the doctor and tell him it'll be all right. Their love for each other really shines in these last few moments they have together. Their relationship is similar in a way to Nine and Rose. Rose made Nine care about people, and that's exactly what Clara did to Twelve. My favorite line is the last line of the entire episode. You'll find that it's a very small universe when I'm angry with you. So much anger and pain is put into that one line, not knowing where he's going to go now. A really great episode, even if it's mostly there for the last 10 minutes. That's a really, Just, yeah, I, I like that that reply, that tweet. That was great. Given by how we've gone about our podcast, it's kind of agreeable that the first part of the episode is is really kind of, you know, it fills up to the real meat and potatoes the last few minutes. So yeah, I agree with all, that. It's all sci-fi shows. I mean, every Star Trek, you could just watch the clock and when there's five minutes left you're like okay here we go <laughs> time to solve the problem 
I like I like what they said about um, uh, Clara's and the doctor's relationship and how they loved each other as friends. And I remembered thinking back to when uh, 12 became 12 and there was this weird because we were coming off of 11 and it was kind of like a like a companion was kind of like a girlfriend feel type thing. It was like a almost a lovey-dovey thing. And then we had almost a whole season of the doctor saying like, I'm not your boyfriend. Like we're not like that. We're, we're just, you know, here and seeing where that, where that started and then where they ended up. Um, that's a, like a really good arc. I think of friendship is really cool. Janelle Hobbs at J Christine H says as its own episode. I love it. The idea of aliens left behind from previous incursions make making new lives on earth hidden away is brilliant. The quantum shade is a great idea. And I love seeing the retcon drug from Torchwood. Riggsy's still wonderful. Uh, favorite serious line. The doctor's angry speech to me at the end, particularly the doctor's no longer here. You're stuck with me. Uh, which further highlights that the doctor is who he as a person aspires to be rather than like his natural state of being. Favorite funny line is bring the small human. And uh, yeah, I think I have that in my lines too. Also, I hope your fun facts make mention of Letitia Wright. They will. Who is brilliant here and definitely should have had a bigger part. And then the next sentence starts with a spoiler. So uh, yeah, cancel abort. It was bring the new human, wasn't it? Yeah, it was new Uh, human. And then don't, it'll distract me. That was even better. Yeah, I I have the whole thing is one of my... uh, Janelle Hobbs came back a little bit later. Almost forgot to add, one of the biggest negatives of this story is Clara's death at the point that the, the shade actually hits her. Like, I think this is all exactly what you were saying, Cody. That yep. it, like drags on a bit too long and undercuts the emotion, uh, but only a little bit. Here's here's what I wanted to see, right? Okay, so we, there's like there's a camera at the back of the alley. You see the raven flying out. You just see like the back of the raven, and then it zooms in onto Clara's face, and then you see it right when it strikes Clara. Then you see the pain on her face, and then you slowly start to see the smoke come out of her mouth. None of that scene cutting shit. Just Clara <laughs> dealing with the raven. End scene. So they do say that sometimes they do a lot of like fast cuts like that because the actor isn't getting it across. Like, do you think that was a limitation of maybe Jenna Coleman? Like her scream and being in pain? I hate to say it, but I think so. I don't think so. No, Acting I would... and screaming in pain is like the easiest thing to act. <laughs> you just have to go into rage mode and you're there. I would say it's more likely that on the day they didn't know exactly how they wanted to play it and so that they had her do a bunch of different things and then they picked bits from each attempt that they decided in the edit bay that they wanted. Hmm. Passion Fruit sent a jar candle at B underscore bird underscore moth says good well watching but pretty forgettable as it's overshadowed by what's to come. Really? Wait, oh my forgettable? God. Oh. oh my god. Oof. How do you forget that? What? I won't. <laughs> Come, man. Just that, like, if you're going to, like, oh, I'm, I want to watch a bunch of Series 9, this wouldn't be, like, you jump to the finale because it's awesome. Hmm. Alex, give me that Mrs. J theme song. 
Mrs. J. McCrimmon. Hit that subscribe button. Mrs. J. McCrimmon. Old school. I'm laughing. That was old old school. School. What happened with the offbeat snaps? Uh, oof. That was bad. Don't worry. It was, it was fine. Big oof. It was needed cuts. Uh, Alex's song says, hit that subscribe button because Mrs. J is the host of the Another Doctor Who podcast podcast. And it's great. It's way better than this bullshit. Go listen to that. For sure. Uh, Mrs. McCrimmon at Mrs. J. McCrimmon says, she did. <laughs> Wait, that's it? Uh, there are also there five exclamation that? marks. Concise. Straight to the point. Uh, she she adds fa- favorite line let me be brave fantastic final line she was brave mm-hmm. I believe her final line was actually silent scream <laughs> <laughs> in uh in the in the parentheses <laughs> if it was uh music it would have said tacit Thanks, Jill. Thanks, Jill. (laughs) She's the only one that gets me. Alex, Uh, give me that fun fact theme song. Fun Wait, fun facts? Mm -hmm. Okay. I I lost where we were. (laughs) Good song. Uh, In one scene, there's a poster with a diagram of a flux capacitor, a direct reference to Back to the Future. It is accompanied by writings in Arabesh, which is the main alphabet used in the Star Wars franchise. This writing spells out DeLorean, which is obviously the time machine in Back to the Future. I don't know why. It's just just some fun stuff people put in the background of shit. What scene was that? I don't know. It says, in one scene. (laughs) Set hmm. designers are a bunch of nerds. Right. Uh, Clara's death is the first on-screen companion death since Adric in Earthshock, a fifth Doctor companion. Well, fourth and fifth, but died during the fifth Doctor's watch. Though the pawns were depicted as having died in the past, their deaths are off-screen. Yes. Simon Paisley Day was rump. He was also the steward in the end of the world, the big blue guy. He's also in Rise of Skywalker as General Quinn. Wait, uh, big blue guy? Are you talking about the uh, the Doctor Who guy? Nope. In the, the second one... ever episode, the steward in the end of the world, he's tall, skinny, blue guy. Oh. It's, it's a blue guy world. I suppose. Robin Soans is, or was, Chronolock guy. He also played Luvik in The Keeper of Trocket. I don't know who Chronolock guy is. If he's the guy who died at the beginning, oh, is that's what I'm guessing? The the old man, yeah, maybe that's the race. Well, he has the Chronolock on him. That's what kills him. Oh, oh, that's what that's oh. called. Oh, I thought it was maybe just called like called the Jade Chronolock. Yeah, that's... sorry, Terry. It's a Chrono. <laughs> is it a Chrono? <laughs> Fuck off. Got him. <laughs> Oh, today I spent, I listened to two pod, Doctor Who podcasts that are new to me. 
One of them I quit five minutes in because they called Clara Clara three times. And I just stopped. I was like, fuck these guys. And then I started another one and I made it 20 minutes in to their first episode. But then the boy of this boy girl podcast, they mentioned they're doing like all classic who. And someone mentioned Peter Capaldi or the 12th Doctor. And he said, oh, never watch any of the 12th Doctor stuff. So uh, they're terrible. <laughs> Both of them. Right. Understood. Hey, anyway, Naomi Hackey was Jen. She's also Janna in The Rise of Skywalker and is in the unaired pilot for the Game of Thrones prequel that got scrapped. But she's killing it. Like, that uh, person in The Rise of Skywalker that was in it for no fucking reason. That was a big part. Uh, Letitia Wright is Honison. She's only fucking Shuri in The Avengers. Yeah, nothing to see there. She's also Nish in the Black Mirror episode Black Museum. And this is for you, Terry. She's playing Rosalie in the upcoming Death on the Nile movie. <gasps> Yay! Nice. She's also going to be the future Black Panther. Yeah, if they if there is a future for Black Panther. If they follow the comic books, that's what happens. Well, what they should have done but they're not because I think it's going to be his kid is she should have been the next Iron Man. Like they should deviate from the comics a bit. Yeah. That would actually make a lot of sense because she's smarter than everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. 100%. That would be great. Anyway. 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 <laughs> Alex, give me that favorite line. Seems so. We got our favorite lines and we're going to tell you our favorite lines. All right, well, because we kind of just said them throughout the episode, can we just skip right to voting? Yeah, I've got one. I'm good cop. You're bad cop. No, 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 no. Can I be the good? Can I not be the good cop? Doctor, we've discussed this. Your face. <laughs> that was pretty that good. Was good. Well, he had to punctuate it because then he goes, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also like the verbatim Jane Austen line. Something yeah. about she's smart and funny, or I don't know. But you well, know, she brings Jane up Jane. Is the worst. I love her. Take that as you like. <laughs> she she brings up Jane Austen in the Caretaker, I think, or no, yep. it's in the first episode of this season when she's like pauses because there's a plane not moving in the sky. Um, she's teaching the students about Jane Austen. She says something about her being a really good kisser. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember that. In fandom, when people list the LGBT members of Doctor Who or characters, uh, they always include Clara. Nice. Um, I had a line that was right before what Sam had said, the be a doctor. Um, I like the part, you're going to be alone now and you're very bad at it. And then Sam's line. Which we've heard many companions say. But it just hits, man. Yeah, it does. It hits. <laughs> yeah, that's when it's like, oh shit, this is happening now. Yeah. And I want the whole line, uh, bring the new human. No, don't bring the new human. I'll just get distracted. <laughs> yes. That line was adorable. Mm-hmm. So is that your vote? Um, no, mine is, of course, let me be brave. 
It's very poignant, very nice, concise. And I don't always pick the serious ones. I always pick funny ones. My vote is whole speech. Who's, which one? Both. Whose speech? All of them. Jeez. You need to say it. The last 10 minutes. You need to act it out. (laughs) Verbatim. Afterwards, I'll record it. Uh, I do want to throw in, I do really like the line Letitia Wright says um, when they're like sitting down in her apartment. And she says, when I look at you, I can't tell your past from your future. And there's so much of both. She just says it really well. She's she turns out she's a really good actor and uh, she's in a lot of shit now. Turns out there's that's a spoiler. If there's so much of both, he's gonna be around forever. (laughs) Or he's just been in the future a lot. And that scene too, where her back face like wakes up, was really fun. Her back face. Her back face. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm I'm voting for you're going to be alone now, and you're very bad at it line the whole thing i'm gonna say uh it was in a tweet what was it oh uh you'll find that the universe is very small when i'm angry with you that's a good one that was good and voting with cody let me be brave they're all so good yeah i'm gonna go with the doctor saying what's the point of being a doctor if i can't and then clara cuts him off and says heal yourself Mm. That that is a good one. I like picking ones we haven't nominated. <laughs> <laughs> pick the script. I'd like to pick the script, Jake. Uh did anyone not go? MVP they song. MVP, yeah. Yeah, excuse your MVP. I'm giving it to Peter the Master, not the Master, the Doctor Capaldi. <laughs> Real confusing there. <laughs> Jill? Uh, I'm going to have to give it to the writer, Sarah something or other. Sarah Billiards. Sarah because Dollard. Everyone was brilliant, but obviously they had a great script to work with. E. Terry? Jenna Coleman. Cody? Sarah Dollard. Excellent. Same. Excellent writing. Same. Sam? Same. All right. Same In Sarah. that case, there's there's enough for Sarah Dollar that she gets represented. So I'm going with formerly JLC, now just JC, Jenna Coleman. Mm. Because it's her last one. Why not? You no, got, it's not. You gotta you gotta write yeah. down you gotta write it down on your whiteboard, Jake. You can't change. Uh, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> You've read the stories. <laughs> It is now time for everybody's favorite podcast game, the Doctor Who Trivia Pursuit slash Doug Benson movie game game. There are five people on this podcast that aren't me. I'm going to ask them each a question. If they get it wrong, the next person gets four four multiple choice to try to answer said question. If they get it wrong, the next person gets a stab, so on and so on. Everyone will get to go at being first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. The questions are random. Some will be really hard. Some will be really easy. And I have chosen the order ahead of time. We are going Sam, Terry, Alex, Jill, Cody. Nice. Oh, bottom of the pack. Oh, boo. Sam. Jake. What name given to them by Idris do Amy and Rory give to their perfume 
to attract the doctor's attention? Uh, bad wolf. It's going to be my guess for everything now. All right, well, this is going to be hard for me to come up with some multiple choice, so give me a minute. <laughs> so I'm right, right? Yep. <laughs> I, I didn't hear wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone know it? I hope his multiple choice and like Chanel number five. <laughs> Terry will pull the name out of his ass. I was like, this isn't even familiar to me. I don't remember this at all. Did the question Maybe say what episode this was in? No. Oh. But it was Idris, which wasn't Idris technically only in one episode. I'm not helping anymore. <laughs> So I will tell you this, because it's in a different episode that we see the name of the perfume. And there are four things that Idris tells Rory that are the combination to get inside the old TARDIS console. Oh. And Amy has to like have a sense memory of them in order to do it. Like it's all psychic. So those four things are, and this is for you, Terry. Eleven, Petrichor, Crimson, Delight. I'm sorry. When I heard you say 11, I thought there were 11 options. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, can you please repeat those? Well, knowing that there are going to be a lot of options coming, your default was to not work <laughs> <for> any of them. <laughs> 11, Petrichor, Crimson, Delight. I'm going to go with Crimson. It's just sticking in my head. but I'll go. You have, to, you have to say Grimson. Grimson. Grimson Aura. <laughs> yeah. Alex? Petrichor. Yeah. Yeet. Easy question. <laughs> yeah, That's you knew that one? What did it smell like? A scent. It smelled like a... It smelled rain. It's, it's like potpourri. Rain on dust. Yeah, there you go. That's what you want in a <laughs> perfume. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, your turn to go first. What lunar landing craft launched in July 1969 was carried into space by a Saturn V rocket? Wait, is this a Doctor Who question or just regular trivia now? <laughs> it's a Doctor Who question. The Doctor snuck aboard this spacecraft and put in a little device so that they could kill all the silence. Thank you, they ran away. But this spacecraft is mentioned in that episode many times oh god say the question one more time i'm so sorry what lunar landing craft launched in 1969 was carried into space by saturn V rocket essentially what's the name of the spacecraft that went to the moon in 1969 the only thing that i can think of right now is apollo 13 but i don't think that's right ah it's a famous movie about it where they very much don't make it to the moon. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, Alex, do you want multiple choice? Yeah, why don't you give it to me? I'm, I'm, I think I'm mixing myself up here. Okay, is it Apollo nine, Apollo ten, Apollo eleven, or Apollo twelve? I'm gonna go Apollo eleven. That's correct. Hey. I, I too was thinking of Apollo thirteen and and of the movie and what their actual mission was. Like, were they supposed to land? Yeah, they were. Okay, <laughs> they weren't just going to the moon to make sure it's still there. No, I thought they were trying to do some sort of <laughs> like 
just trip around it. Alex, you're first. A chance to block out everybody by getting to three. Hit me, daddy. What error does Prisoner Zero make when he takes on the form of Barney Collins and Bosley the dog? Tough question. Oh. No, it is not. Uh, he he switches he switches the mouths like the the dog is talking and the human is barking. Fuck, that's yeah. correct. Hey, damn, <laughs> that's really good. Okay, so do we have to finish this game? Yep, it's a fight for second, Jill. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Jill. Who created the painting? The Pandorica opens the work of art that made its way across the universe to the 11th Doctor. Uh, the only artist... Ooh, wait. Yeah, the only artist I remember being in here is Van Gogh. So I'm going with that, even though it's probably not right. That's correct. Yes! Why would it probably not right? Artist. I don't know. I'm like, there's probably more than one artist it's in that Doctor one. Who. It's right there. You got faith in yourself. It's our sound panel. Also that episode. All right, yeah. Cody. Your chance to get on the board and save a little face. No. <laughs> when Rory tried to infiltrate Rosanna Calvieri's school by passing Amy off as his sister, what king did he say she had an excellent reference from? Cool. <laughs> king cool. George the 13th. Like, okay. Uh, no. But how close? The 12th? Um, <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> uh, Sam. Is it... Give me that multiple choice, Jake. <laughs> is it the King of Denmark, the King of Norway, the King of Sweden, or the King of Finland? Fucking really? I'm pretty sure it's Denmark. It's not. And Terry's turn. <laughs> Terry, same question. Huh. Uh, King of Sweden? That's correct. Hey. Yay! Alex has three. Terry has one. Jill has one. Alex has one? Jill and Terry, you're going to fight out for a second. Oh Alex has God. three. For a second? God, we have to do a tiebreaker? Nah, let's not. Yep. Just keep shouting answers till I lose them all the time. (laughs) I will lose first, I promise. (laughs) In Partners in Crime, how did the Adipose leave Herringay resident Roger Davies' house every morning at 1.10 a.m.? A slide. Through the door. A pole. Keep guessing. Keep going. Uh, Walking. With a wave Um, and goodbye. Yelling. It's a part of the door. Through the dog Mail slot. Nope. Cat door. Yeah. There it oh, is. Son of a... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would have gotten that. That was great. That was Sorry, fun. Terry. You got second they... 2.0. <sighs> they specifically say cat flap, but uh, yeah, no one in the world's ever called it that, so I don't know why. <laughs> Alex, give us that paper crumpling theme song. This has been Married to Who's episode on Face the Raven. If you want to participate in our 
tweets. You can do so at Married to Who Pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram, Married to Who. You can email us, Married to Who at gmail.com. If you want to listen to this podcast in some kind of way other than you are, you can do so on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or you can go to our website, MarriedToWho.com. On behalf of myself, Jake, Alex, Jill, Cody, Sam, and producer Terry, thank you so much for listening, and please join us next time for Heaven Sent. Do 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 do